Hi, and welcome to Know Who Drives Return at Boardroom Alpha. I'm your host, Joanna Macris, and today we're back with our continued coverage of the SPAC market. We're going to dive deeper into the story of pet services provider WAG, which is going public via SPAC parent CHW acquisition and a transaction which values the company at an equity value of $350 million. And joining us today is WAG CEO, Garrett Smallwood. Hi, Garrett. Welcome. Hi, Joanna. Appreciate the time. Yeah, awesome. So we have a lot to talk about, and we're going to dive into the nitty gritty of the business. But just to take a step back and know a little bit about you, tell us about you know Garrett Smallwood, how you arrived into the pet services industry, and what attracted you to the story at WAG. Yeah, so taking a step back, I grew up with pets, love all things pets, cats, dogs included. Uh, I haven't had a pig or anything cool, though, so I, I should probably diversify. <laughs> Um, but I had a chance to join WAG, believe it or not, via acquisition five years ago, I'd started a pet care financing business for veterinarians. So you think about veterinarian care, it's mostly out-of-pocket expenses. Very few people have pet insurance. It's very expensive. You have to put on a credit card or pay cash. Wanted to simplify that problem. You can imagine like a firm for vets. Um, business did pretty well, but ended up selling to WAG um, to partner with vets deeper and better. And I've been at WAG for the last four years, two and a half as CEO. I got asked to be CEO in November of 19, right before the pandemic. So I don't know if I love or hate my board for that reason, mm-hmm. um, but it's certainly been a really fun ride. It's very few companies like WAG where it's a incredible marketplace where both sides of the marketplace love the platform, participate in the platform really frequently, and just have a great time participating and, and, and you know, being in the awesome. app. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about WAG. So you're an app. I think most people associate you with the dog walking element, but just kind of give us the, the, the high level story. No, it's exactly right. We are the button on the phone for the paw. It's how really busy pet parents take care of their pet every week. So the average WAG customer is using WAG for things like dog walking and drop-in visits. When they're traveling, they're using WAG for things like sitting and boarding. Uh, they might use WAG for training or even telehealth. But the average WAG customer uses us four to five times a month. They spend $100 to $150 a month with us, and they love the platform. And for caregivers, there's more than 400,000 background check and approved caregivers that operate in the WAG platform. And these are people who just love pets. They get to go outside, walk a dog. They get to go inside, take care of a cat. And they do it across 5,300 cities and all 50 states. So subscription-based business model, right? Uh, part of our business is subscription and part of it is a transaction on the service itself. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about kind of, you know, who's, you know, how you're moving towards subscriptions, who's opting and, and how that portion of the business grows over time. Yeah, absolutely. So if you think about walking itself, like it's a very um, frequent use case, right? It's like, hi, I'm Joanna and I'm at work today, specifically the office and I can't get home for my really cute dog. And so I need someone to walk it. And so you book that walk almost every week, sometimes twice a week. Um, you know, for care, it's for exercises, for potty breaks, for everything else. In addition to that um, service transaction, which we WAG takes 40% of, so if it's a $20 transaction, we would take $8. There's also a subscription fee for the pet parents called WAG Premium, and 48% of active pet parents are subscribed to WAG Premium, and that's $9.99 a month. And with that, you unlock a bunch of benefits, like a 10% discount on services, VIP caregivers, uh, VIP customer service, a bunch of other great stuff. And then for the caregivers, they, every single caregiver, believe it or not, pays to participate in the platform. They pay $29.95 to join. And that basically allows them to like build this business card on the WAG app. And they also have access to um, payout tools. They can get paid every Friday or they can get paid instantly. And we take a transaction fee on that. So we kind of monetize across the audience. But a lot of it is now that WAG premium subscription kind of locking the pet parent in. 
Yeah. So you've had the, you know, fun time of you know managing a business pre-pandemic and now emerging from the pandemic, right? So talk to us a little bit about kind of how things were trending and obviously the pandemic impacted, you know, stay-at-home life and probably dog walking life and, and what things look like now as we're coming out of things. Absolutely. Joanne, I don't know where you're based, but where I am, I'm in San Francisco and it felt like everyone was locked inside wearing hazmat suits last year and the year before. Uh, it was crazy. And so when you're locked inside wearing a hazmat suit, no one really needs a dog walker, believe it or not. And so we've kind of slingshot out of that the last six or 12 months. I think Q1, we grew 270% year on year. Um, so we're really seeing a slow and steady return to normal. Um, but it really does vary blue by blue and red. Red seem to be a little more open, right? Texas, Florida, et cetera, versus the uh, New Yorks and Californias. Not that anything's wrong with that. Just people are adapting differently. Uh, but it really is a use case kind of post-pandemic. And we, we think this is a phenomenal business in a post-pandemic world. The other thing to remember is that one in five households adopted a pet during the pandemic. So there's like 23 million new households with a pet, which is insane to think about. And they all know their pet better than ever before because they spent so long with them. And so we think that they're all going to have a really unique need over the next 18 months. Yeah. So am I right in uh, understanding that subs are now trending substantially above pre-pandemic levels? That's right. Yeah. So I think just overall revenues up. Uh, I think WAG premium subs are up 100 plus percent. Everything is kind of up tr- almost triple digits from, you know, during the pandemic. I mean, we had no pandemic tailwinds. This is a, like we've hit every headwind you can imagine. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit. I mean, just because this is a bloody day for thinking about consumer sentiment, <laughs> right? So Target is a hot mess down, you know, 26%, I think today, right? A um, lot of mixed messages about consumer sentiment. So kind of your thoughts on, you know, pets are a unique, you know, niche within, you know, the, the retail world. So talk to us about kind of how you view like what you're seeing, you know, at a high level and how, how, how you think about WEG. Yeah. So uh, Mary Meeker once said that in the recession, pets are almost bulletproof. I don't know, hopefully it's a minute, minute literally, but it was like women's makeup and then pets. That was like, no, nothing will change. <laughs> and I think Walmart's earnings, they literally said the resilience of the pet category is helping sustain margins or something something similar to that. I don't want to quote it directly. But I think generally people view pets as like a necessity and a member of the family. It's kind of like, you know, your baby's food. You're not going to cut back. We certainly think the same way. And anyway, think about the WAG pet parent. It's a premium pet parent. Like they've heard of Instacart and DoorDash. They might have heard of Peloton. They might have an Amex. They might be on an iOS device with Apple Pay. And so they, they're a little more resilient, I think, than the normal pet parent. And so we certainly have not seen any downward pressure as a function of kind of consumer sentiment. And I generally think pets are very resilient in this type of economy. Uh, and, you know, I don't think this is going to change anytime soon. Yeah. Um, so what are kind of the short term like levers to drive growth? Are you putting more effort into sales and marketing, getting the word out? You know, how, how are you pushing things operationally? Yeah, I mean, we're in a really fortunate time where a lot of people are just venturing out for the first time in two years. Like, I think summer travel this is supposed to be like one of the busiest summer travel seasons ever from when I'm reading online. And so we just have natural tailwinds, right? People are leaving their house for the first time. They're going to date night. They're going to the movies. They're going to football games. They're going to you know, travel. And so those are all reasons to use the WAG platform. So that's part one. Part two is certainly we're leaning into this, like, we think it's once in a decade opportunity to get in front of pet parents and be like, we're your solution. We are your button on your phone for the paw. Like, please look at us. Um, you know, today I think we're trending as like the number five app in the travel category, right below Airbnb. So the, the, the trend is certainly our friend. Um, and so we're leaning into that. And then I think finally, just making sure that people are comfortable with the way the app works. We spend a lot of time on the product and the use case and the technology. And that's really our bread and butter is making sure it's just a really seamless, delightful experience. 
Yeah. So I think a lot of people are going to try to look for public comparables in the pet space. And there really aren't very many. Um, but the one that, you know, I can point to is Rover. And so we've got to at least, you know, address that. That yeah. stock has been a, you know, DSPAC that has really underperformed. And so, you know, without, you know, disparaging what Rover is doing, um, you know, people are going to say, like, how are you guys different? So how would you answer that? Yeah, so I can't obviously speak to the stock price. I wish I could. It's a weird market for everyone. I'm surprised by some of these trading dynamics. But uh, Rover is very different in that it's episodic out-of-home boarding. So Rover is really a replacement for like the dog kennel or the dog boarding facility. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, I'm going away for the Christmas holiday and I need someone to board my dog for five days. You would probably look at Rover and a kennel and whatever else. We certainly participate in sitting and boarding, but it's not our number one use case. I think it's something like 70 plus percent of Rover's business. And so when you have that type of business, it's very episodic. It's very, it, it, it has a different LTV than ours. I think our LTV is approaching $340 and there's just like 150 or 60 or something. So just a kind of different customer spend level. And, um, you know, I think it's a little more dependent on uh, big numbers because it's so episodic. Ours is really high frequency. It's very predictable. It's every week, right? Every week you're using the WAG app and you're booking services and you're participating. And so you get a different type of customers. It's almost like recurring revenue. And so we think that it'll be viewed differently. I really think about Rover as more like a Yelp. Like you go, you message, you book a restaurant, you find a restaurant you love and you stay with that restaurant. And WAG is really like a DoorDash. We want to be everything to the busy pet parent and it's all in your phone and it's use it every week and you love it. And you don't really care how it happens, but it just it's like magic. Um, so we certainly like the business. We think they're doing a great job of boarding, but it's not where we would spend all of our time and attention. Yeah. Got it. How um, how is it going in terms of attracting dog walkers to the platform? Right, it is a gig economy, and I imagine people are you know doing their side hustles, and this could be one of them. But um, you, obviously, being ubiquitous and available is really important to your business. Absolutely, like the caregivers are on the go, so it's fascinating. We um, the business is not supply constrained. So when you think about it, would you rather deliver? This is no offense to Tony. Would you rather deliver Chinese food in Soho at eight o'clock on a Saturday night? Or Joanna, do you want to walk a golden doodle at two o'clock on a Thursday? And I, I know what I want to do. I think it's the best gig in America. You get to go outside, you get to walk a dog for a mile and a half. You get paid a really great rate. You set your own rate. You set your own schedule. And it's usually like middle of the day in a beautiful area. Okay. And so what you find is that it's a very different type of caregiver than someone who might drive for Uber or deliver for DoorDash. Um, it's usually uh, female. We skew very heavy female. It's usually like millennials or retirees, believe it or not, who want to know their neighborhood. And they want to get some steps in and they love it. Like they just love the platform. Some of them say they would do it for free. And so when you look at their NPS, it's actually very high. I think it's like 40 to 50. And their detractor is really like, I want more gigs near me. I want to be hyper local. I want the density. I want more gigs in my neighborhood. And so we spent a lot of time on thinking about like neighborhood dynamics, but certainly we have benefited from this like great resignation that's happening. Because like, I can't imagine a better gig. Like there's no better gig. And so we have certainly taken advantage of that uh, as part of the platform. So how many markets are you in currently? We're in all 50 states. And I think it's over 5,300 cities now. So we're in like 96% of the US population. Okay, awesome. And, then um, it all, and it all matters, right? Like everyone says like, oh, I'm sure New York City is better than that. You know, it's like, of course you follow some density dynamics, but every market's important. I can tell you like there's a dog walk happening in Alaska and it also happening in New York City, right? Like every market's important wherever there's a premium pet parent. Yeah. And do you have good metrics on like retention rates and like repeat dog walking and, you know, how sticky, you know, the services yeah, are? Yeah, so after you give uh, the service a try, your likelihood to rebook is 90 plus percent. So it's like, it is delightful. Like once you give it a try, you're committed and you love it. 
And out of 11 million plus reviews, the average rating is 4.97. I tell everyone, if you saw a Yelp restaurant with 11 million reviews and a 4.97 rating, I'm sure everyone would eat there. It's like a no-brainer. It's like absolutely the best of the best, right? And then finally, if you look at our kind of like recurring as the percentage of the business for walks, like walks during the week, it's like 20 something percent. So that means on a weekday, 20 plus percent of pet parents have just like set and forget their schedule. And they're moving forward with a, you know, a, a dog walk every week or multiple times a week. Yeah. And so today, roughly, what's the percentage of people that are on the subscription service? 48% of active pet parents are subscribed to premium. That's up, I think, 100 something percent from last year. Uh, our golden, I think our, where we want to be is like 50-ish percent. I think at 50-ish percent, you've kind of gotten really great penetration. If we got to the 60, that'd be crazy. I think at that point, you really have to revisit probably pricing. Uh, but think about like our Dash Pass or our Amazon Prime. It should be like such a no-brainer for a pet parent to have WAG premium that you would like be silly not to have it. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a big part of the margin improvement story over time too for you. Absolutely. I mean, it becomes like the way the customer opts into like discounting and benefits and participating in the platform. The frequency is better. The retention is better. They're basically self-selecting and participating. Yeah. So you also want to move into other pet services and, you know, pet health. So tell us a bit about, you know, more about that and how, what the business Yeah, look, I mean, I think the first part of the business was the services business. And we certainly think we've done a great job of that. We're far from done, but we are, we think the premium pet parents best partner. Okay. And so if you need walking or sitting or boarding or training, like this platform is the platform to have it. And I think the reviews speak for itself. The fast, one of the fastest growing categories we're seeing real time and we're hearing from our pet parents is one, veterinarians are in incredible demand. I think it's one of the largest supply shortages ever right now. I think it's like three week delays to go to a vet. And so people, everyone needs better help with their vet. And then two is anything wellness related, especially our pet parent. They like love their pet, right? They might have a special kibble they feed and a topper and a vitamin, and they might use CBD when there's thunderstorms. Like they love their pet. And so this wellness category is certainly very intriguing. We actually operate the largest pet insurance comparison marketplace in the U.S., so we help people already kind of purchase pet insurance. There's a lot more we can do there. And that's part of the reason we're going public. It is a wild time to be going public. I remember like Jeff Jordan taking Open Table out. Like he was like, I mean, great businesses are great businesses and the market will react accordingly. We certainly feel that sentiment. It's also a great time for us, frankly. Like we're one of the very few feels like post-pandemic beneficiaries, right? Like everyone else seems to be cooling off and we're just getting started. Um, but to that point, I think it's also a great a buying opportunity. Like this is the chance to be putting a currency to work. So I think aggregating and including more products in the WAG ecosystem is very compelling. Yeah. So where where uh, where else could you go over time? You know, what other opportunities are there in pets? Yeah, I think our pet parents really care about food, uh, food and treats. Um, custom vitamins make a ton of sense. WAG premium subscription, what people really want is other things that are monthly needs taken care of for them. So that's flea and tick and heartworm. That's some of the biggest pain points for pet parents. Like, how do I get my flea and tick meds? How do I get my heartworm meds? And then, um, you know, long tail will be home access. Believe it or not, we, we sell WAG lock boxes. Those WAG lock boxes, kind of like Airbnb. It's like how you enter someone's home to pick up their pet. There probably are other solutions for us simplifying home access in the future. But I think that's like a little bit longer term. Yeah. Um, you know, as you start to think about pet supplies and selling online, pet, you know, pet supplies, pets.com comes to mind. And so, you know, lessons learned, obviously different point in time, different business model and difficulty scaling that model. But, um, you know, how do you think about kind of the the, the past, you know, and, and how that impacts? Didn't they have a great sock puppet? That was like they the did. coolest thing ever, right? Um, I had, That business had a lot of CapEx, didn't it? That was like incredible CapEx. We are, we have like no, our CapEx is like minimal. I think we have almost 90% margins. Um, 
it's a the world has changed. Like we went from asset heavy to asset light. We went from you know we have gig marketplace. The platform really is doing all the work. It's a technology solution. Um, I do think pets kind of set the tone, right? Like it's people love their pets, and I think pets was like the kickoff of that. I'm like, oh yeah, people do love their pets. I think with Chewy is much more like it solving that original problem of like getting things online in a way that probably Petco and PetSmart don't. And they seem to do a great job at that. I think 60 plus percent of their customers are on like a recurring kibble subscription. We don't, that's not for us. We're trying to solve like the premium pet parents, premium problems. Like if you're getting your dog walk every week with the WAG platform, you might want human grade dog food. You might not want, you know, regular kibble. You might want a topper. You might want like, you know, there's just different things you want. And I, I think we, we approach the problem a bit differently. Yeah. So thinking a little bit about valuation, I think the implied valuation for you guys is something like five times forward sales. And, you know, in the investor overview, you're obviously given the limited pet comps there are, you're looking at other e-commerce businesses, like, as you mentioned, Airbnb, DoorDash, and Etsy, yep. et cetera. So like why is it, you know, just talk to us about why the business model deserves or can grow into that kind of valuation. Yeah. So first things first, super high frequency, right? Like I don't know a lot of other marketplaces that are being used four to five times a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like one is it almost makes it very SaaS like and, and subscription like in nature. And we talked about premium and everything else. Two is um, it is a phenomenal gig. And because the gig is so phenomenal, the take rate's really high. I think our Q1 blended take rate was 55%, which is incredible for a marketplace. So you have incredible uh, margins on the business. And then three is, this is like our chance to accelerate out of the pandemic. You have to look at this business over the next 18 to 24 months to really understand where it's going. And I think we provided a good snapshot of where we were, but like the pandemic was not kind to us. And so I think investors have to take into account that this business will accelerate post-pandemic, not decelerate. And that's pretty obvious if you look at our revenue growth. Yeah. Are you feeling comfortable? I think you've talked about a 10% long-term EBITDA margin. Does that seem reasonable? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really going to pan out with our sales and marketing spend and kind of how long we lean into it. Again, I think this is a once in a decade opportunity. Like people were locked inside their homes for two years. Like, Joanna, we're doing this remotely. I would have loved to do this in person. People are just locked inside and they're still kind of locked inside, right? But they're slowly going to emerge and maybe out of home makes sense. Maybe podcast makes sense. Maybe more linear and streaming makes sense for us. But as those channels really get penetrated and we have all these pet parents recognizing the brand and getting back to normal, I think sales and marketing could be a lever you decelerate from at some point and you kind of spike a bit of margins. It's unclear to me though how long that lasts just because of how early we are in the return to normal. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, life as a, you know, as a SPAC and, you know, early stage company. Um, Lots of SPACs out there looking for partners. How did you arrive to CHW and kind of, you know, how did that relationship come to Yeah. What a weird couple of years for SPACs, huh? I mean, that was crazy. I mean, I won't speak for all the business, but there was a lot of business that were surprising even to me. Um, so first things first, we met internally as we should with the leadership team and a board to say, what's the next best step for the business as we think the pandemic's rolling off? And we took a look at that in, in, in you know early last year. And we decided we could have raised private capital. We could have done a SPAC. We could have waited for traditional. And I really like the SPAC route. One is because uh, we think it's a fast, efficient way to get public, even though it gets a lot of um, heat for people thinking otherwise. Two is uh, great businesses can tell their story in a really eloquent way. And, you know, if you look at our deck, we've done a great job at that. And three, we really like the SPAC sponsors. We met a lot of different SPACs, um, had a bunch of different conversations. Jonah, Mark, Paul, the rest of the group was just all, Deborah, we're all fantastic. Like they, they understand the consumer. They understand the nuances of the marketplaces. They understand kind of like how we should be thinking about brand sentiment and awareness. Um, and they really support it. And we just like really like that. And so kicked off the SPAC. Uh, I kind of like where we are, frankly. Like how many SPACs went out this month? Six or seven or something. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. So, I mean, like, what a great time, like all eyes on us, right? Like, it's just a phenomenal time to be a good performing SPAC. Like we crushed Q1, we crushed Q4. Um, and so we're kind of taking advantage of this light, light and load of SPACs. Um, but in terms of our SPAC itself, like couldn't ask for better partners in the business. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the, there's a lot of the DSPAC performance for the most part has been poor, but a lot of them are very early stage you know, hockey stick growth stories that, you know, are going to take time. So yeah, I just, you know, your feelings on coming out. I mean, it is, it is, the market is really difficult right now in general. Right. And so we're watching all these earnings bloodbaths. Um, so I guess, you know, how are you feeling? Uh, I mean, I can't wake up every day thinking about the market, frankly. <laughs> I really do. Th- I mean, I, I mean, like maybe people feel that way. I really just think like I got to build a great business and optimize for long-term shareholder value creation. I've never sold secondary in this business. Even I've had a lot of chances to. I'm a big believer. Like I'm not selling any secondary in the SPAC. I'm going long. Like I love this business. I love the platform. There's very few marketplaces that focus on the consumer that are like really high frequency. People love the ratings are phenomenal. It's not supply constrained. It's like it's, it's across the U S. So like, I, I just love this business and you couldn't ask for a better time to be going out, frankly, with the pandemic rolling off. I don't know about all the macro. Mm-hmm. Um, so what me and the rest of the WAG team are doing, are really just focused on building a great business that creates shareholder value. Um, and we think it'll take care of itself in the long term. But certainly I think there is a lot of uncertainty in the public markets. And we have felt that pressure in all of our calls in terms of like, people digging into what you're questioning, like consumer sentiment and spending and, you know, inflation and how that might affect wages and all these other things. So I think we're just getting different questions now that we might've gotten six or 12 months ago. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of gun shyness over, you know, we see numbers in the presentations pre DSPAC and then the reality is vastly different. So, I mean, to the extent to which, you know, you can talk about kind of the numbers that you've initially given and kind of how you're feeling about, guidance or it's not even guidance, but I mean, we, we announced, I don't know a lot of people go out and say, here's our 24 month plan. Like that's a bold thing to do. And I think a lot of people underappreciate how bold that is to do for going public companies. Mm-hmm. So we announced our plan, I think starting in Q3 and we've beat our first three quarters since we've announced and we haven't, and we've reconfirmed our commitment to 22 and 23. So, um, you know, our Q1 revenue, any bit beat where we thought we'd be Q4, the same thing. Uh, we continue to be very bullish on the business. Uh, I think that puts us in like the top 97% of SPACs that have performed for their first few quarters. Yeah. But again, this business was already big. So I think the really dif- the different thing between our business and maybe other businesses, I guess this is my opinion, is the fact that like this business operated at scale in 2019, right? This is not like a new thing you have to believe is going to be different. It's like, no, no, this was a business that was at scale. The pandemic happened and then it's going to be at scale again. And I don't mm-hmm. think that's that hard to believe. Right. What, the, what happens with the macro in between now and then is a different problem. But, you know, we've just simply made the machine better. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you're in a way suggesting that pet care is a more resilient area of the consumer spending arena. It's not like buying new clothes or shoes or, you know, home improvement even. I think that's all right. And look, if you just think about like what will happen. So like, let's just say this, we're in a recession, maybe we're going to be even more. It'll be worse, let's just say in the next six or 12 months. Maybe that's true. That means that probably most companies will push even harder to get people back because they'll be less concerned about the great resignation, right? Like they yeah. want that to happen. So what happens is more people go back to the office. What happens to all these pets? They all need help. And so what happens is when people get laid off, where do they go? They need a great gig. They go to WAC. So you have no supply problems. You have more demand and the, the, the kind of the flywheel recommits itself. So we certainly think that the recession is actually like in a way bullish for us. And if it's not, then just the the return to normal of return to office and return to date night is also just bullish for us. So it's kind of like we look at this as like both scenarios are good, assuming 
there's not like COVID strain 96. Assuming mm-hmm. COVID strain 96 doesn't happen, things are great. Yeah. And uh, timing wise, Q2, we're, you know, we're. Getting- I think that's right. I mean, we have no signs from the SEC that, you know, we're going to be any slower or faster than normal. So we submitted our S4, I think, in February, and we've been all hands on deck tracking as we planned. So we're, I think we're hoping for Q2. Yeah. And I mean, from a headline perspective, obviously the SEC is, you know, cracking down on SPACs, like from a disclosure perspective, has anything changed like in, you know, operationally for you as you gear up for this IPO? I mean, we took it really seriously, frankly. Like we, we took our time, like our CFO spent 10 plus years auditing public companies and getting companies public market ready. Our controller, same thing. She's taken out several companies. Like we were ready. Uh, and we put, we had all the controls in place and we felt very prepared for this process. And so when we submitted our S4, nothing was surprising. Our comments we thought were very reasonable. Uh, overall, like this is not, I think people make it out to be a lot more difficult than it could be. If you're really well prepared and you have everything buttoned up, I think this thing's uh, you know pretty streamlined. The SEC yeah. seems to know what they're doing. Yeah. So I don't know. They, I guess at the end of the day, you know, this is a post-pandemic growth story, which is kind of rare, but... Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I think that's right. I mean, it's, it's pets. First things first, everyone loves pets. Like, I don't know people who don't love pets. I've been on a lot of calls and everyone seems to love their pets, okay? And I certainly would say the same thing about our audience. Two is, uh, it is a return to normal story. Like, people being in the office is phenomenal for the WAG platform and people not being in the office, also phenomenal because they're doing walks. Um, three is, it certainly seems very resilient. I mean, you know, people set their own rates. People need help no matter what. You don't really have a choice. Like if you're working and you have to go to work, you still have to take care of your dog. And uh, I think people are going to keep spending in any scenario. So we're, we certainly feel very bullish about kind of where we are in this in this cycle of return to normal. Yeah. I mean, the only the concern I feel is that, you know, the inflationary risk is going to have people worried that their overall wallet is shrinking. And so their ability to pay for the dog walks is going to shrink. Yeah, I think what you would see then, though, is like the marketplace dynamics reacting real time. It's kind of like Airbnb, like hosts got more expensive when there's more demand and they'll get less expensive when there's less demand. Same thing with WAG, like the caregivers set their own rates. And so suddenly if there's less available 20 minute walks for $14, they might dynamically go down to 12. Like they, they see that happen, the elasticity happen. And and, if, and functionally, it doesn't really structurally change our margin because the same services are happening. And so, um, you know, we have not seen that, frankly. We've seen the opposite. People are raising rates right now because all the summer travel and bookings and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we, we think that the marketplace should adapt pretty, pretty intelligently. Yeah. All right. So like, you know, bottom line, you know, what, what do you say to jaded investors who are just sitting here like, oh, everything is going to, you know, down and, you know, why, why, why are we going to get interested? Well, they need to go on a walk. They need to get outside, <laughs> get some fresh air. You can't be looking at the ticker every day. It's going to be red for a while, I think. But uh, I hope people give us a chance. Take a look at the business. Take a look at the stories. A lot to read on WAG.co. WAG.co. And go to the investor page. Look at the investor management presentation. Look at our Q1. We just partnered with Kempton Hotels. We're doing this big, Q, cool, exclusive partnership with Kempton. There's a lot of really fun things that are happening. I'm not saying that you know you need to believe today, but I certainly think that we have a lot to prove and we will continue proving it to investors. I'm all about shareholder value creation. Sold a couple of businesses. I like being part of these businesses. And we think this is a phenomenal time for a business like this. Um, and if people want to learn more, feel free to reach out. Awesome. Thank you, Garrett, for joining us. Really wishing you the best of luck and we'll keep following the story. Thank you, Joanne. Appreciate it.